Hey everyone, welcome to Opt-In NYC, a podcast brought to you by the New York City Police Department and New York City Police Foundation. This series is part of the Police Foundation's Options Program, an innovative way of connecting New York City's youth and cops through a variety of media. Opt-In NYC will explore issues most affecting New York City's youth. It gives them a platform to speak their minds as well as gain insight from NYPD police officers. Today, two young New Yorkers, John and Kayla, interview police officer Andrew Rosen about important topics such as enforcement during the current pandemic, recent protests, and defunding the police. I'm one of your hosts, police officer Joe Galetta. Hi, I'm John Negron, and I've been with the Options Program for several uh, years now, for about maybe uh, four or five I was approached by an officer that I somewhat worked with already with like some of the sports programs and everything to write a script for what Options is mainly known for, the scenarios that we produce. Um, since joining back then, I've helped in scenarios like gun violence, cyberbullying, opioids, things that the youth commonly deals with throughout their daily life and showing them you know, the options they have within the situations, the outcomes, and the consequences. Hi guys, my name is Kayla and I just started working with the Learn to Earn program, which is a subsection of the options program by the New York City Police Foundation. Um, so the Learn to Earn program is where youth in the city are able to learn about finance, storyboarding, communications, and community building, and be able to take classes with police officers to gain more experiences in those um, learning areas. Recently, we've had to move to remote learning because of COVID-19, which has definitely been an interesting experience so far. And coming right out of remote learning for school, like like me and I'm sure a lot of other kids are like really already not liking the idea of it and the benefits that we no longer have because of it, but Options just found ways to make it fun and interactable. So we wanted to talk to Officer Rosen, who is a patrol officer here in New York City. We wanted to ask about how you have dealt with people who aren't wearing a mask and have you had to enforce um, that kind of rule here in New York City so far? Uh, as for enforcing it, uh, it has been too prevalent of an issue uh, in Queens where I work in the 106th precinct. However, uh, I have come across numerous individuals who weren't wearing masks and they either had issues entering locations, whether it be a CVS or a uh, deli, and then we would provide uh, the masks for them because they would be having a, a dispute, for example, with uh, the store owners. But it uh, definitely has been an issue. Uh, COVID-19 hitting uh, New York City has been a, a long five months or so since it's really become an issue. You know, I, you know, have a question a lot of the times, you know, there's this big, which sometimes justifiably a negative view on police officers, especially with the kind of rights that police officers have and the rights that citizens have, you know, there's no doubt, unfortunately, that in your career, you might have had a negative interaction of someone They might have approached you differently or kind of judged you just because of the, uh, the badge in the uniform. One, how do you feel? And two, how, how would you normally handle that if someone just randomly approaches you and disrespecting you just because of your career? Listen, uh, every day as police officers, we're, we're there to help people. I know eight years ago when I first got on, my goal was every day trying to make a difference in someone's life. So now it's a, it's a two-way street when it comes to respect. Listen, I, every person I interact with, I try to show them respect that I would like to receive in return. So in terms of disrespect, you know, listen, given what the situation might be, you know, you, you have to approach it a little differently. 
not necessarily trying to, whether it's enforcement or if it's just for a 911 call, listen, you might have to try using de-escalation tactics with talking with the, these individuals as well as, you know, you have to handle it based on whatever it is. Every interaction, you know, we're trying to build a rapport with the individuals that we're working with, with the community and, you know, helping them however we can. So, Officer Rosen, what has been your experience with the Black Lives Matter movement here in uh, New York City? Have you had interactions with people uh, during protests? And what has that been like? Uh, in the past, uh, I know Black Lives Matter it has been a uh, ongoing uh, topic for the last several years. I believe it was first started back in 2013. Um, over the course of my career, I, I have uh, been to protests where majority have been peaceful protests. I know in light of uh, more recent events, I haven't personally uh, been too involved. Pretty much, you know, you have to try to keep the peace. I mean, I know as uh, police officers, we try to do right by everyone that we can. But when it comes to enforcement, there still has to be law and order in, you know, daily life. Because if there is no law and order, you result in anarchy and then it's pure chaos. And in a city with 8 million people, you have to have some form of conformity and law and order. Otherwise, it's going to be a rude awakening for many, many people. Yeah, and the the ratio of people in New York City and the people employed under the NYPD, it's like huge. Just way more people than there is cops. So, I mean, I guess there is that. Do you, with the recent events, do you feel nervous kind of just going to work and then going back home, especially with the amount of people who might not have the best interests for cops right now. Sure, absolutely. There's every day. I'm, my goal is to try to make a difference, like I previously said, and is to sign out every day the way I came in. And I don't come into work hoping, you know. I think there's a stigma going on. I know there's a lot of tension between. Uh, civilians and police, but not everyone's trying to come into work and hurt people. When it comes to actually coming to work, have I been scared before? Sure. Absolutely. I'm just, listen, I was in your position growing up in high school, you know, trying to figure out my way through life, getting ready for college, what I was going to do, will I be working? And just another person. If the people seem to forget that, we're not Machines. They don't want police officers to be machines because otherwise we just go handle it and then on to the next one where you don't have this interaction, you don't have this conversation, you don't build a relationship, you don't build a rapport with individuals. And, you know, I think it's important that that happens. And one of the biggest kind of motivators for protesters right now is um, to defund the police. So how do you feel about that sentiment and what do you think might be the consequences of that happening? Uh, personally, um, I don't believe it's the best course of action. Uh, I understand the concept behind it where reallocating funds like the city has to other programs, other other means, whether it's, you know, health, uh, social means, whether it's putting funds into, you know, mental health and psychology and all other aspects that are available for other people that they would need. But in terms of how we do our job, I think an important thing is that a common thing that gets brought up is that, oh, that police officer, you know, they need they should have done this or they should have handled this differently or they could have done that. I wish they 
to this, where a lot of it, it comes down to training, for example. So the common denominator with that is like, oh, the police need more training. And people tend to forget that in order to have more training, you need to have funding for that. So I'm not saying it, it can't be done, because obviously you can reallocate funds, and it. I think there'd be more harm than uh, good that would come from it. And on another question, you know, I... I stay in contact with a lot of family and especially with the idea of defunding, especially now with a lot of the, I don't want to say stretched out, but there's, there's a lot of cops on the street, but right now they're kind of focused on like, because of the protests, like you said, trying to keep that peace, trying to make sure they remain peaceful so they could get their message out and go home. Um, there's been a lot of people telling me that the way kind of the streets have been recently, it's been returning to a lot of like, just purse snatchings again apparently like kind of supporting what you said like i think there might be i don't want to say more harm but there's definitely going to be harm with defunding like for sure and i think it needs to be thought about a lot more right now a lot of things are impulsive and i think there doesn't need to be a plan completely laid out like how would you think it should be done that's a big question just for uh, one police officer, I would have to say. No, <laughs> it, it's, it's fine. Um, I think another thing that a lot of people start having an opinion uh, about the police, it comes from uh, social media and having such ease of access of watching these videos and these other police departments throughout the country where it's different wherever you go. Now, with New York City, I can really only speak for things how you know things are done here whether it's policies or what laws are enforced, what laws aren't enforced compared to other places. And uh, in terms of the protests, now there might be different tactics, say in like Seattle, where, oh, they're, they're shooting rubber bullets at you know people or they're using tear gas. These things aren't happening here. So now how things are handled here, people might have a skewed you know, thought process on, oh, well, all police are bad or they're handling this the wrong way. It's, it's hard to say when everywhere is different. And just because they might be seeing something, it doesn't mean it's necessarily actually happening where they live. So John, as youth in New York city, what would you want to see done differently? Then you said a plan needs to be out there and a plan needs to be laid out. And you asked the officer how he would want to see it done differently. How would you want to see something done differently from the outside? So, um, again, with the, I'm all for the idea of moving some funds because I do think a lot of places needs more money, especially when it comes to kids. There's a lot, like, for example, schools. I know the DOE has money. A lot of it isn't exactly always applied in certain ways, especially in the school I go to. There's not enough books. There's not enough this, not enough that. It's always, I'm purposely choosing remote learning over the hybrid choice I have because I know it's not going to be handled well. But when it comes to just the NYPD, I was in Union Square the other day. Um, there was three officers. They quickly came up the stairs. Um, their hands weren't anywhere. No one was reaching for a gun yet or anything like that. They quickly came up the stairs, approached a man with, I assume, his girlfriend because the way he was holding her. And they simply straight up said, hey, there's a complaint that you might possibly have a weapon. Can you please take your hands out of your pockets? Because he had one hand in his pocket and one around the girl. And it was it was as simple as that. No one came up. You know, obviously that situation could go certain ways, but no one came up yelling. No one came out with a gun approached. Uh, no one ran to him and snatched him. It was just the idea of here's what we are told. Here's the problem. Can we quickly fix it? 
without escalating it. Now, obviously that might put the officers at danger, it might put the girl at danger, but the idea of having the issue at least appropriately addressed before having to turn to that possible escalation, kind of not even having to de-escalate it, having the issue at a certain plane of understanding, which I think is hard to reach because of the biases that are formed around the people and some of the biases with the cops. But that's like my perfect solution. Everyone kind of being on the same playing field, knowing what's going on, knowing the training cops receive, and then the cops knowing what the people see on the media, both being on the same mindset and knowing, okay, this person's scared of me. I might be scared of this person. How can we solve that issue? I would also say from my perspective, I think, the biggest problem is a lack of transparency. Um, and so having police officers be able to completely talk to the public about what's going on behind the scenes regarding maybe officers that haven't really done the right thing and also what the police department is doing um, in turn to make or to solve the problem. So definitely just more public relations, I would say, with the NYPD and talking to the public and being more open about any consequences that may come of situations like what we have we've been seeing on social media and and to add on again with um so i you know i support options like majorly i love the program i love what it's done for me i love what it done has done for other people so i post it on my social media i post pictures of me in the options shirt i post the things that you guys are reposted the opportunities and this was kind of um well we're still in the heat of it but like in the like in the big heat when it was massive looting, hundreds and hundreds of people on the streets, I posted um, something for the Learn to Earn program, like an ad, you could say. And someone responded to it on my Instagram with the very basic statement of the NYPD Loki sucks, though. Um, and my response was, in more ways than one, I do agree with you. Um, but can I explain to you what the program is? Why did I repost it? And a conversation went on for about an hour and change. It got a little heated on their part. Um, but I managed to kind of get them to calm down and, you know, really hear me. And by the end of the conversation, um, they quickly, for some reason, uh, switched and went from saying, I don't understand why you would post that to, well, I wish you would talk about the program more. I would have joined it when I could. Because I really kind of stressed the idea of like, especially when I get hate on options on what we're doing here, we're focusing, which I think the entire NYPD tries to, could do better, but is trying to focus on the future, focus on that relationships, on the stability, on the youth. Because to be real with you, a lot of people, like um, one of our stories mentioned, a lot of people in the streets are the kids, are the teenagers, are the ones who just turned 18, who just now can vote. Those are the ones honestly organizing, pushing, supplying, waking up day and night, doing this, living, breathing this. I've seen entire meme accounts on social media turn to this. And I guess to kind of turn that into a question um, for you is me personally, I'm inspired by it. What do you think about the idea of it's not exactly adults or celebrities kind of speaking out about this. It's the kids, people who shouldn't, I feel, have to deal with the trauma of this, to deal with the stress of this, who are putting themselves forward and taking it. How do you, how do you feel about that? Well, one thing's for certain, the kids are affected because just how the two of you are here right now, you're trying to have a better future for yourself, people to come after you, and we're trying to build upon that. That's why we're having this conversation. That's why we're trying to establish what needs to be done, what needs to change, what needs to stay the same. So 
why do I think the kids are? Because they're out there. They see it. Honestly, that's they want a better future for themselves. And that's why you're here. You're promoting what you believe in. You mentioned how you had a full conversation where it, it took an hour or so where all they know is, oh, no, like, forget them. I hate them, whatever. But they have no idea. They might have never interacted with the police officer in a more intimate setting. For all we know, they don't, they've never even interacted with them from a stop, from a just interacting, walking on the street, or had to call them before. We don't, we don't know. And then it only took a little bit of an exchange, a conversation to fully understand. It's like, wow, I wish I knew about that because I would like to do that. And I feel like there's a lot of knowledge out there and things available for people to do that they just don't know. They're just not informed. So it comes back to the transparency with within the police department about what goes on with the, the police officers in the department, as well as trying to get the word out on what's going on, the things available. They have the community center here. I, Other than uh, uh, Officer Galetta here, I, I heard about it. I didn't know the extents of it, what actually goes on here, how it's an amazing setup. And it's trying to better... It's here to try to better the community, to provide for the neighborhood around here, the children, the kids, to give them something to do. It's an outlet for positivity, really, and setting themselves up for a better future. Because even something like this podcast, it's allowing the two of you to speak out for those who might not want to speak. And then it's also enabling you to have that confidence to public speak to put yourself out there to you don't even know how many people are even going to hear this this could be a big thing where it ultimately can make a difference in not only your lives but other people's lives going back to your interaction i don't know the end result did you stick around Me for that I right so <laughs> so so uh we'll say hypothetically you know he he wasn't involved he wasn't arrested so in that case where it could be handled in a lot of different ways. If there's a weapon involved, could they have drawn their weapon? Sure. Did they have to? Listen, we could Monday morning quarterback it as much as we want. However, it all stems from the fact that they were respectful. They didn't try to argue. They didn't try to fight. They didn't run. And based on that interaction, the officers responding were allowed to explain the reason for the stop. And that's what happens a lot of the time where, listen, if you see something, you know, you say something. That's the, you know, the slogan for the city where a lot of these interactions stem from a 911 call. So we're, we're not necessarily going around just trying to stop you or stop this person for whatever reason. There's usually a reason behind it. How do you feel about the kind of entity of being a part of NYPD and it's hard to separate yourself from that because the NYPD is seen as one thing. How do you deal with maybe losing that individualism in the job and interacting with the public as part of this huge entity? That's a good question. That's a absolutely great question. Now, um, to answer that, I would say it's definitely my profession. It's my career choice. It's where I've been over the last eight plus years. Um, when I'm at work, listen, you know, you have to put this suit on, you know, you have to go out there, you have to answer the radio, you have to respond to these calls and people in distress where some people are having the worst days of their lives and without even knowing, and you have to handle every situation 
differently and accordingly to make sure they're okay, whoever else is involved is all right, and then myself and or and my partner or whoever is involved ultimately are all right. So in terms of how do I feel uh, being part of a, such a large organization, I'm, I'm very proud to be a New York City police officer. It, it's definitely, you know, best one in the world. I mean, you hear it, New York's finest. I couldn't agree more. Listen, there's a lot of us, so everyone might have a different opinion of how they see themselves within the department or what they're doing for the department. But try to, me personally, you know, work stays at work, you know, outside of work, you know, I have plenty of hobbies, things I like to do, just like every other person, you know. You don't see me like, you know, I try to dress nice while I'm at work and take care of myself, but outside there's plenty of things, you know, I just like to consider myself another you know, average 30 year old. <laughs> <laughs> My, you know, something I, I want to ask is a simple question, but it's not as simple. It's simply. If on, you have to say that, it's probably not a simple <laughs> question. On your day to day life, do you feel that you're a police officer first or you're a human first? I'm a human first. We're all human beings. People make mistakes, people do great things. We're just trying to make a better world every day that we're here make a difference that goes for everyone and everyone should be striving to do that yeah i think that's that's something that the i guess you could say a common person tends to forget they tend to think that a lot of police officers are cops first that they wake up a cop they go to sleep a cop they take a shower a cop they eat a cop and i just i just think you know it's not an amazing mindset to have because you're judging the person before you even speak to them. You know, that's like me saying a McDonald's cashier is wakes up a McDonald's cashier and goes to sleep a McDonald's cashier. It's like, it's not, it's not fair. You're judging them off of that. And I think people really have to, whatever your opinion is on the NYPD, that's your opinion. You want to stick by it, go ahead. But you don't form an opinion off of a person because of the profession because this person might like the same sport as you, and the minute you bring it up, you guys might have a conversation at that stop. You're absolutely right. And then going back to you know, your example of a McDonald's worker, listen, am I a police officer? Absolutely. Do I love my job? Absolutely. But is it who I am as a person? I wouldn't say entirely. Do I try to have you know, the right mindset of what I have to do at work versus at home? You could say that, but... It's not like I eat, breathe, and sleep, you know, the police. I mean, everyone is different. You know, everyone has different experiences growing up at work, outside of work. Everything has, everyone has something different going on. But I think the big t- uh, big takeaway is that you, you can't judge the book by its cover because that McDonald's worker, for all you know, they could be working to pay for them to go to school, and then they end up being like the next Bill Gates because everyone starts somewhere. I started, I worked in a, a, a garden center before when I was growing up. Like, and then, and then working on a, a radio show in, in college. Like, it, it, people have different interests and they do wherever, you know, whatever, wherever life takes them. And that's interesting that you said that because I have family members who are police or who were police officers. And a lot of the time I never really associated their job as a police officer with who they are as a family member. So I think it's important to open up conversations like this where we can talk about your experiences personally and as a police officer to be able to see that 
a police officer is also a person and there is interest in hobbies and a whole life behind the job in the uniform. So it's interesting. It's something um, that, you know, I, I feel strongly is, of course, I also have my own opinion on the force and my opinion on the protests and I support the protests completely. Um, and I do think there is the example of certain officers who may not handle something correctly. But, you know, I... You, you're never going to know if that new cop, that recruit or that detective or that sergeant or the cop that stopped you, if that cop is going to be the one that might fix the problem you have. You have no idea. Like, you never, you don't know if someone you're walking next to is a president. You have no idea. And again, it comes back to judging, you know, for all you know, you could be the cop that goes up the ranks and fixes everything. And people aren't that open-minded enough. I feel like everyone's all like, okay, cool. There's an issue at the NYPD. We're going to take it apart and fix it ourselves and not. We're going to try to find that cop that's inside that can help us with the system because there are cops who support the movement but can't support certain things about it like the looting, like the vandalism because it's their job. You know, you might support someone, you know, not liking McDonald's but if they come in and start stealing the food and start tearing up the furniture, it's like, it's your job. You can't let them do that. No, you're absolutely right. There's like an image where the police officers they they're only out to they're only out to get me. They're only they're they're all police officers. They can't support this. They can't uh, encourage people's you know rights to free speech to protest. That's not necessarily the case. Where it's just the point where you have to make sure you don't overstep. It, it, it's like in anything. You don't want to push the boundary. You can't do too much. You can't cross that, that line. Are there issues in the city, in the country? Yes. Are these issues that can be resolved overnight? No. But you have to just keep going with it, and hopefully we get there together. Now, part of the options curriculum with Learn to Earn right now, one of the tracks is storyboarding, which John is a part of. Uh, John, why don't you go into a little bit of your storyboarding and your virtual reality scenarios that you're really um that you're really creating so along with a lot of the other ones of help create that i mentioned um before so the the youth that i have the privilege to work with through the learn to earn we kind of wanted to write something and develop something that is in this time and that we unfortunately know might outlive us might still exist um the idea of the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests. So we wanted to create a scenario which captured that, which showed the outcome of some of these protests, which showed the consequences of looting and the uh, misfortunes that might happen. So the protests we ended up, the scenario we ended up writing is a protest. And some of the characters in it are approached by someone who is going to potentially be a looter, depending on the user's choice. Um, which, you know, you go to the protest, you have the characters you're approached, and you're given a choice. Um, and when you make that choice, you either end up looting with the extra character, or you end up denying the looter. And then you end up convincing the looter not to loot. And it shows the outcome of that. You see officers arresting the people at the store. And if you choose to loot, you, the user, are physically arrested in this scenario. And it's to show the youth, this is, this is what can happen. You know, we're not going to necessarily tell you what to do. But this scenario is showing you the choices that you have and the consequences or the result of that choice. And that's what all the scenarios are. We just wanted to write one that is really specific to what's going on. So when it's released, it resonates with whoever is, who, with whoever is using the VR headset, even cops. 
um, that's kind of the goal of every scenario, honestly. So, um, to end, is there any uh, common misconception? Like, what's the biggest misconception about officers that you would like to eliminate right now? What's my personal message to the masses? I think the biggest thing is that while police officers, I think everyone that first, you know, swore, you know, their oath was to protect and serve people. I think that's the common goal. I think that's what everyone's trying to do on a daily basis is to help people to serve, you know, the people of New York City, the great New York City, and try and make a difference where the misconception is that we're all the same, which is so far from the truth. I mean, there's, what, 35,000 police officers, give or take, within the five boroughs. And just the small amount that I've interacted with over you know a few different precincts not a single one of them is the same every police officer is human they'll have their own personality they have their own life goals outside of work their own whether it's a different family situation what they want to do long term on this job as a career and i think the biggest thing is that people need to remember that where while They are human. Do people make mistakes? Sure. Are there issues bigger than, you know, the four of us going on in this country as a whole? Yes. But day at a time, we have to try and, you know, fix that and have a better future for all of us, for our youth and the generations to come. Thank you so much, Officer Rosen, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. If you would like to hear more from us and about the police officers and youth in New York City, you can visit us on options.nyc online and also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We also have a Twitter as well. And Twitter. Thank you for joining us on this first ever opt-in options podcast. For Kayla, for John, for Officer Rosen, I am Joe Galetta. Thank you for joining us. Make sure to subscribe so you can hear any future stories we put out there. This episode of Opt-In Podcast was brought to you by the New York City Police Foundation. Visit nycpolicefoundation.org to learn more.